0: Welcome to the Jewish Philosophy Podcast, the podcast where we interview Jewish philosophers and educators on topics in Jewish philosophy, theology and Jewish thought. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and visit www.jewishphilosophypodcast.com for more information. Enjoy! Rabbi Dr. Siegel, welcome to the Jewish Philosophy Podcast. The title of this podcast is Evidence and Belief in God. So for the first question... What are the different ways one can approach the question of God's existence?
1: Okay. Uh, well, first of all, thank you very much uh, for having me. Um, it's really a pleasure. Um, and that's a uh obviously a very big question. Um, a question about which there's a lot to say, um, uh much more than one can say in the amount of time I think we have together. But uh maybe we'll we'll make a start uh and see what we can what we can do. Um so maybe the first thing to note is that, uh, the question itself, uh, can mean one of at least two things. Um, so, uh, so one thing a person might be asking, uh, is sort of what are the sorts of considerations, uh, that you, you might raise, um, to address, to figure out, uh, whether or not God exists. Uh, you know, what sorts of arguments, uh, what sorts of facts about the world, um, might you point to that would either, uh, prove or support, um, the existence of God, uh, and what kind of facts, uh, about the world might you point to, uh, that would prove or support the non-existence of God, um, and then you're basically, uh, you're trying to figure out, uh, the truth of the matter about this question, does God exist, um, that's your question, uh, does God exist? And then, and we're looking at various ways, uh, asking ourselves, well, what, what might bear on that question? Um, and then there's another thing someone might mean when they ask this question, uh, which is, um, well, say you uh, come to believe uh, that God exists or you come to believe that God doesn't exist or maybe you don't come to it, just say so that you just, uh, you do believe, um, that God exists. Uh, you might wonder, um, about the sort of the, uh, the standing of that belief that a person has. Is it on the up and up, so to speak? Is it okay to hold that? And what are the sorts of things that, uh, matter or bear on that question of whether it's okay to hold, um, this kind of belief, right? So this is sort of, uh, um, uh a meta question. Uh it's not uh addressing the question itself, does God exist and asking what considerations might we bring to bear. Um, it's asking, among other things, do we even need uh considerations, you know, of the sort that I that I mentioned, like facts about the world, which maybe could be turned into arguments. Um, you know, maybe we could dispense with that and still believe one way or the other and and be on the up and up. And so that that second sort of question is what's called an epistemological question. Um, uh, it's a question about um, the beliefs uh, that we have and their their epistemic standing, their standing vis-a-vis whether they're justified, rational, reasonable, whether they might even amount to uh, to knowledge. It's sometimes um, easy to get confused um, or to uh, to conflate these two questions because. If you ask yourself sort of from the inside, uh, what should I believe? Um, well, then the, the obvious answer, very generally speaking, is you should believe whatever is true. Um, of course, you should try. Um, but... Right, then you want to figure out, well, what, what do you think is true? Well, what you think is true is, uh, is what you believe. And it seems like you've got yourself, um, in a a tight little circle. So asking what you ought to believe very quickly, if you're asking from the inside, uh, so to speak, um, just gets you straight to that first order question. Does God exist? If that's the, um, the question at hand. But if you're, if you're thinking about it, from the outside, from a third person uh, perspective, I think it's easier to get a handle on this distinction. um, And then we can figure out what question really interests us uh, at the moment, okay? So someone might say, oh, Aaron, uh, Aaron, um, you know, he he believes God exists. Um, Well, maybe that's true. Uh, You know, maybe God does exist, but even if it's true, our own belief is not on the up and up, because there's no way uh, he could reasonably or rationally have come uh, to that conclusion, even if, in fact, uh, the belief is correct. Um, so then you are looking at it from the outside, from a third-person perspective, I think it's easier to get a sense of the, the distinction, um, and we can now figure out which question we want to pursue. So, I mean, if I... If I understood correctly, maybe this is too, uh, uh, sort of a, a long-winded uh, uh, way of, of saying that um, I'm assuming uh, you're actually talking about the second question, but correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, that is you're interested in the sort of epistemological question um, of what, um, what is relevant period uh, to, uh, to whether the
0: beliefs that we have in this area are on the up and up, is that, is that right? That, that's correct. We're interested in the meta question. I like, I like the way you put it. Exactly. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so that uh, itself, even though we've now sort of lopped
1: off a big part um, of the question, at least, at least temporarily set it aside, is also a very, very um, big question. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot to say about it. Uh, we'll see what we, can, what we can do, how much we can cover. I mean, there's uh, sort of a, it's, It's an instance of a general question, Um, a general question you might ask about any belief you hold, uh, right? Um, uh, What does it take for a belief that a person holds uh, to be rational, um, maybe in the best case scenario to be a case of knowledge, right? That they um, know that such and such is the case, right? I mean, we we think there may be some uh, paradigms of that, um, some cases where we believe things and uh, we take ourselves to be really, really, Justified in those beliefs and and know them, Um, uh, you know. Let's say that uh, that two plus two equals four, uh, or that I exist. Um, You know, these are usually taken to be the kinds of things that we don't just believe—not just in our opinion, uh, but it's a well-founded opinion. Right? It's one that um, uh, is justified and rational. Um, But then maybe we hold some other beliefs that, uh, upon reflection. Uh, we 're not so sure about you know are they are they on the up and up are they justified are they rational and it would be um, maybe helpful in trying to figure out um, regarding uh, this very large group of beliefs we have uh, where we 're not so sure at least at the outset whether they 're rational to have some sort of criterion to, to figure out uh, what does it take for um, a belief to be to be rational or justified. Um, and so that's a very large question. That's maybe the central question of epistemology. Uh, you know, you could raise that specifically about um, religious beliefs. Uh, and might distort things a little bit uh, if you think there's something special. But maybe there is something special uh, going on in the case of religious beliefs. And that's you know something that we could uh, we could talk about. Um. But let's just, I guess, focus on the case of religious belief and keep in mind that we, we really have a more general question, uh, uh, in the background here, um, and constantly be vigilant, uh, about this issue of whether there's anything special about religious belief and whether we're maybe holding it to a, a higher standard or perhaps in some cases to a lower standard, um, than we, uh, than we ordinarily hold, uh, beliefs to. Um, so what, what are the sorts of things, uh, that matter uh, or that are relevant uh, to whether a uh, religious belief of mine, would say that my belief that God does exist, and, and you know that's that's my belief. Um, uh, whether that's uh, rational, well, sort of uh, thinking about it philosophically, that is, if I come to the question, first order question, does God exist? Um, from a philosophical point of view, we, we tend to think of the sorts of things that make that belief rational as uh, arguments. Okay, um, broadly, more broadly than that, perhaps what I called earlier considerations. Right. So, um, some facts that we could point to that together, maybe um, you know, things that we, we are, are pretty convinced of that uh, together imply maybe. Um, that God exists. And maybe if they don't, uh, logically entail, they don't, uh, straightforwardly imply that God exists, maybe they still, uh, do a very good job of, um, of, uh, of, of making it more probable, more likely that God exists, right? So say that, you know, um, given, uh, some facts about the design of the universe, the apparent design of the universe, uh, and putting it in sort uh, contemporary, uh, terms of contemporary physics um uh, certain facts about the fine tuning of the the uh the constants uh, that figure into the laws of nature one might say that that very very strongly supports um the existence of a an intelligent designer uh for the universe uh, as a whole and that's just one case one instance of a, a philosophical argument Okay. Um, in this case, it's not even meant to be. It's not uh, supposed to be a logically decisive argument. It's not as though it's impossible for the world to be this way uh, with the constants so finely tuned, um, and yet there be no designer. It's just exceedingly unlikely. So so the claim goes, so the argument uh, goes. And there are other arguments which are intended to be uh, logically decisive. You know, some, some of the uh, listeners might be familiar with some of these other arguments, like the cosmological argument, ontological argument. I mean, these are supposed to be arguments that if you accept the premises, then you're, you're committed to the existence of, um, either a perfect being or a necessary being or something that gets us closer, uh, to something like God. Um, but all of these belong to a, a family, uh, the family, Uh, right, of, of arguments. Uh, We're bringing considerations to bear of the sort uh, that uh, you have some claims, some facts, some in in sort of technical term propositions to bear on and support the conclusion that God exists, or in the case of an atheist, conclusion that God doesn't exist. Um, And, and that's how I think philosophers naturally think of uh, what would do the justifying if the belief in God is justified um, at all. Um, but that's not the only way to uh, to think about things. Um, uh,
0: there are other suggestions out there. So um, if I, if I could just, yeah. if I can just summar, summarize so far. So um, the way I understand it is that in, in answer to the question of how we should approach the questions of God's existence, the first um, path or the first um, um, epistemological um, route we could take in answering this question is by looking at uh, prepositional arguments using argument form looking at the evidence about about the universe that's the first way so if we can call that um, the evidential approach you're looking at evidence to 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 answer the question looking at arguments but um, and i assume you're going to give another uh, 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 another way of doing this now right right exactly so yeah that was a very good summary um
1: the, uh, the only terminological quibble I would have, not because it's wrong, but because uh, uh, the term is so um, ambiguous in the, in the literature that it might be somewhat misleading um, is regarding the term evidence. So it, it's true that some people use the word evidence in a way that evidence would have to be of this uh, propositional sort, right? Of the sort that could be uh, expressed in sentences, something like a fact, um, uh, that supports, it can stand in logical relations and support, uh, other claims, um, other, uh, true propositions. Um, but that's not the only way the, the term gets used. Um, uh, uh, so in, it, some might, uh, think that our experiences, for example, um, experiences themselves, not, uh, the fact that I had an experience, which is, yet a further f- uh, fact or proposition, um, but just the experience uh, of, of seeing a sunset um, or uh, more relevant to our case of, I don't know, um, praying in Shola and Yom Kippur, um, uh, that very experience could in some broader sense uh, be considered evidence, right? If we think about what evidence means, um, it, it relates to the word making evident, right? The term making evident. Um, so at least in principle, it seems like you could have things that aren't propositional that make something evident to someone, right? He can undergo a certain experience, um, or just find himself in a situation, uh, that makes, uh, a certain proposition evident. And this is a segue to the, um, to at least one alternative to, uh, what you, you know, called the evidentialist conception. So that's sort of a narrow evidentialist um, view. Um, uh, another view would say, and, and would, would sometimes want to call itself still evidentialist because uh, it would it would argue that at least regarding the, the kind of rationality at issue here, what's relevant is just evidence, but want to have a more expansive conception of, of what evidence uh, would be. Um, and uh, they would point to very general uh, epistemological um, considerations outside of the, the case of religion and uh, theistic belief, where it seems like certain beliefs that we have uh, are justified not by some argument, not by some other proposition, uh, but justified by something non-propositional like an experience, right? So in an ordinary case of perception, if I look out and see uh, a sunset, so the, uh, the belief that I have uh, that there's a sunset out there, um, it's natural to think that it's not that I have some sort of argument uh, for that, uh, uh, or even if I had an argument, it wouldn't really be necessary or relevant to making me justified or rational in this belief that I have, Um, that there's a sunset out there. Uh, you know, someone could construct an argument that goes something like, well, I have an experience as of a sunset. Uh, and, uh, it's maybe very likely given that there's this experience that there is a sunset. Um, you know, best of luck to that person who's giving that argument. It's not uh, clear uh, how successful that kind of argument is going to be anyway. Um, but, but in any case, the more natural thought to have is that what's justifying that belief of mine, is just the experience itself, right, the perceptual experience itself that I have of there being a a sunset out there. And so um, the thought is, this belief that I have is a, uh, to use technical terminology from the philosopher Alvin Plantinga, it's a properly basic belief, okay? So the the meaning of that is, on the one hand, it's a basic belief of mine, it's not justified uh, in turn, by other beliefs of mine, by other propositions that I hold to be true. And uh, on the other hand, it's proper, properly held in this this sense that um, it's still on the up and up, it's still fully rational um, and fully justified. And now that's a case in which uh, you might have a a properly basic belief uh, that's, you know, based on something in that case, it's based on something you may even call evidence, but not evidence of the propositional sort, rather than the uh, experiential um, sort. Uh, it may even be that you don't need to be based on anything at all. Um, we can talk about that a little more later um, if you want, if you wanna get into the nuts and bolts um, of, of Plantinga's view and, uh, and other philosophers um, who hold similar views. Um, uh, but maybe that's not so important for, for, for the moment uh, to just get another view out there. Um, so if we move now back to the case of religious belief, um, someone might say uh, there's nothing in principle that would preclude a similar thing from happening when it comes to belief in God or maybe even belief uh, that God doesn't exist. Um, but Let's take the case of a belief that God does exist. Uh, you know, maybe that's justified at least in part, if not in whole, by religious experience. Okay. Um, now, if we want to take the analogy to perception very, um, very tightly, you could say, uh, or uh, you could point to a case where the analogy is tightest um, of a of a really, you know, bona fide mystical experience where it's supposed to be an experience as of god right i mean the same way that you might have an experience as of a sunset many people throughout history um, uh, in the jewish tradition and outside the jewish tradition have thought um have claimed to have experiences as of god that is they experience god um and so uh you know, if you take this analogy um, and you think that in the, in the other case of uh, perceiving the sunset, that belief could be justified just on the basis of the experience itself, um, you know, you could plausibly claim, claim the same thing could be true in the case of religious belief. In which case, right, it wouldn't be um, an argument that I'd be giving you, um, or maybe I couldn't even possibly uh, give this as an argument, Um, Because, you know, if I were to uh, start giving as an argument, well, it would change the nature of the evidence. So then I, you know, then I'd be talking about um, a different kind of uh, support that this belief might have. Um, you know, this this experience of mine is my experience, and there really isn't any way to transfer uh, that experience. Uh, maybe I can uh, sort of light a fire under you so that you could come to have a very similar experience and then uh, come to have that belief. But the experience itself that I have is mine and mine alone. Um, it's not something that's publicly shareable that I could uh, share in the form of a, of an argument. And nevertheless, um, I would be justified in, in believing it. Okay, so that's maybe again a long-winded, uh, answer, um, uh, to, uh, to this question. I mean, this is, you know, so far we've only talked really about two approaches, uh, to the epistemological, um, question. Uh, nothing I said about the, the first approach would preclude there being, uh, such sorts of evidence, but let's say you take a really hard line, uh, philosopher in that, that first approach, then there would be a genuine uh, sort of um, dispute here, right? So you might have some philosophers who say, no, there's no such thing as that second kind of uh, justification. Uh, certainly no such thing as that kind of evidence. The only uh, thing that could justify a belief is evidence and the only kind of evidence is propositional. And other philosophers who would uh, like Plantinga, uh say, no, uh, you know, beliefs can be justified not by other propositions. Um, uh, maybe even not by not by evidence at all, but uh, at, at the very least by uh, evidence of sorts other than than propositions
0: so if I can summarize those two um, approaches again before we move on to the, the the next question um so the first approach um of how we can understand how we can um, gain evidence or gain let's say justification or warrant of of God's existence is by using propositional arguments by using arguments like the cosmological argument, like you mentioned before, or the ontological arguments, um, or the fine tuning argument, all of those things that I think most of the the listeners will be familiar with. And the second approach, um, which, which is from Alvin Plantinga is not, not to, 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 we don't need, we don't necessarily even need um, arguments to be warranted or to be justified in our belief. We can, use the experiences that we have just as much as i believe in the existence of a sunset or my own existence based on my own experience of it not necessarily from any not not being like a um uh, not a corollary of any of any sort of propositional argument it's just the moment i experience it 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 is it forms this belief in my in, in me and that's what i believe in it so the same thing maybe will will be by belief in god
1: Yeah, so that's an excellent uh, summary um, of the, the two approaches. I would just um, add uh, just a few notes. Um, so one, one point to keep in mind is that uh, even someone who takes the second approach uh, and thinks that uh, you don't necessarily need arguments for your, uh, your beliefs um, to be justified, including religious beliefs, um, that doesn't mean that a belief that's justified in that way is sort of impervious, uh, to, uh, to attack, to its justification falling away. I mean, that can happen even in the ordinary perceptual case. You know, we were talking about looking outside through the window, um, and uh, seeing a sunset, uh, being justified, your belief that there's a sunset out there being justified by your experience, uh, Uh, sitting there, um, well, that might be a justified belief um, until someone comes along and explains to you that they just painted a mural of a sunset uh, on the window, right? So that would undercut uh, your uh, justification for holding that there's a sunset out there. Um, And there could be all sorts of ways in which uh, your justification is defeated. Um, or, or um, falls away, or you lose it, even if the justification of the belief um, is uh, is basic, it's not based on other propositions. That's just one point about uh, that second approach. And, and uh, also, we shouldn't think these two approaches are exhaustive. So, I mean, there might be um, other fundamentally different uh, approaches uh, to uh, the epistemological question, certainly regarding religious belief, and here just to keep in mind one sort of thing uh, is that um, the two uh, theories we were discussing were both theories about a certain kind of rationality, what might be called epistemic rationality, um, which broadly speaking is something like um, the the property of being on the up and up uh, if what you're interested in is truth. Okay, something like that. Um, But a person might be interested in all sorts of other things uh, aside from truth or believing truths. Um, You know, people have moral reasons for acting. People have uh, self-interested reasons for acting. And so there might be other kinds of rationality to consider, you know, practical rationality. Is it practically rational? Is it prudent um, to believe such and such? Is it moral uh, to believe uh, such and such? Right, at least um on the face of it it seems like we can answer this question um and someone might give an argument um or might think uh that uh it's practically rational uh to believe that god exists um it's in uh his or her interest uh to believe that god exists and or it's the moral thing to do um uh you know based on all sorts of uh considerations you our listeners might be familiar with uh, Pascal's wager uh, and other such things. Um, and then it would be sort of um, uh, the, the connection to evidence would even uh, be more attenuated. And right, on this view, it wouldn't really be um, based on uh, the evidence uh, because if uh, what I'm, uh, looking for here um, is some sort of other gain, uh, not necessarily being in, in touch with the truth, um, then uh, the role of evidence even uh, sort of on, on the surface, it seems, uh, should be uh, significantly less. All right. So that's just uh, to keep in mind that there are even other
0: approaches beyond the two that we discussed. Okay, so going just if I can take you back to the the first two approaches um, so I believe the first approach is is, um, is from john Locke. and he he demanded that we have to have propositional evidence um, to, to justify our belief in God, and as you mentioned, the second approach um, has been made famous by Alvin Plantinga. now um, this is a Jewish philosophy podcast, so we're also interested in is there any um, are both of these approaches evident in Jewish philosophy? Do we have the John Locke's approach, the evidentialist approach, and the Alvin Plantinga's project? Do we have that in Jewish philosophy? Um, I know for sure that the, the, the first approach um, is, is there, but is there any um, um, ideas related to the second approach that I'd be interested to hear from you? Um, yeah, so I um,
1: yeah I definitely agree with you that regarding the first approach, uh, you know, the, the, the approach from John Locke, you um, You know, you have uh, some uh, famous adherents of that in the Middle Ages. Maybe everyone really uh, who um, thought philosophically about God's existence uh, in the Middle Ages uh, um, thought um, that if you were going to uh, bring evidence uh, for the existence of God, it was gonna be of the propositional sort. And if you wanna come to know that God exists uh, then you're gonna have to produce some sort of argument. In fact, the, the standards for uh, a successful argument um, were held uh, to be particularly high. Um, so uh, probabilistic arguments were not the kinds of things that were considered gen- uh, genuine, bona fide arguments that could furnish you with uh, what, they, what they called scientia or uh, uh, scientific um, demonstrations, scientific knowledge, Um, you would need an actual, uh, logical demonstration, which proceeded from, uh, self-evident truths, um, in a self-evident way, uh, leading to uh, the conclusion that God exists. And, you know, some of them thought that we had that, but that's sort of what, that was the only game in, in town. Um, uh, maybe I should qualify that. Um, uh, and I was going to say, uh, that, uh, the situation changed to some extent um, once you get to the modern period. Um, but uh, I mean, even in uh, in the Middle Ages, uh, if you look at, I think they're like, uh, Rabbi Levi, uh the Kuzari. Um, so to some extent, uh, uh, when he's um, discussing questions of belief and faith, um, uh, he may be trying to argue uh, completely uh, against the use of uh, of anything like um, reason uh, to try to uh, to come to uh, belief in God um, and maybe uh, sort of to stop worrying about uh, this these questions of justification um, and whatnot. Um, but he also does. Uh, uh, discuss in a very philosophical way, um, the question of God's existence, you know, that alongside his sort of, um, remarks about, uh, the, the philosophers of old, um, and when he does do that, when he discusses, um, uh, sort of in a, in a reasoned way, you know, why we might, uh, believe in God, uh, he, uh, he offers something that, um, could be understood in a number of ways you know it's famously called the kuzari argument um and and somewhat and usually understood um as an argument uh that proceeds from the uh the fact um that there is the, the, there is this tradition right that we have a tradition uh that speaks of a national experience um at mount sinai and that satisfies certain further conditions like the tradition itself says uh, that it's uh, unbroken um, and passed down from generation to generation and that it includes commands to pass it down from generation to generation. Um, And it points to that phenomenon uh, and then um, infers one way of construing what's going on there, um, infers that uh, you know, that this tradition is true um, because it would have been very hard uh, to invent such tradition uh, at any point. Um, and then you have an argument for the truth of the tradition, uh, which includes lots of claims, including um, the claim that God took us out of Egypt and gave us the, the Torah. Uh, and that's a, a wealth of uh, religious information. Um, and so construed, it sort of fits this mold of, of trying to provide um, arguments. I'm not sure that's the only way to construe it. Um, I should also say I'm not sure that's uh, as bad an argument as uh, people often suggest. I think it has uh, a lot going for it and uh, um, my friend Tyron Goldschmidt, friend and colleague Tyron Goldschmidt um, uh, and along with um, some others um, have uh, recently um, offered some very um, interesting defenses of the uh, Kuzari argument uh, understood as an argument. But in any case I'm not Positive uh, that's actually what's uh, what's going on there. Um uh I mean on, on, on a very basic level, um uh what you might have there and earlier in Rosadigon, where things are even more ambiguous, you have a similar idea, but it's uh, slightly more ambiguous, um, might be just a uh, a reliance on tradition. Okay, so this um you certainly have not just in the Kuzari and Rizadego, But many um, thinkers in the medieval period. Um, And if you ask yourself, well, how does a reliance on tradition work? If I uh, trust other people and what they tell me, um, is that an argument? I mean, am I I in so doing uh, relying on any argument? Um, My belief, is that a result of some sort of inference? Well, they're not perfectly clear on that, but later thinkers uh, discussed that about testimony in general. If I take someone else's word for something, they tell me that something is the case. Um, what's going on there in a case where I come to believe it? Uh, what would justify my belief if it is justified? And here there's a, uh, perhaps the the, the the primary dispute, the fundamental dispute um, is between uh, David Hume uh, and, uh, his fierce critic, uh, Thomas Reed. Um, David Hume seems to take the line, as does Locke, uh, that, uh, in cases of testimony, it is, it is an inference, right? You're inferring from certain facts, like, uh, this, uh, person has been reliable in the past. They haven't misled me until now. Um, together with the fact that, uh, he seems to be sincerely, uh, uh, conveying this information at this point, um, and then you infer from that that it's very likely that this is, um, this is true. Um, and, and Thomas Reed took Hume to task on um, this among um, other uh, things and uh, argued that no, though that, that that's not what's going on or at least that's not really necessary in order for a belief based on uh, someone else's testimony to be justified. Um, it could be justified in this basic sort of way. It could be properly basic, uh, to use that term we mentioned before. Um, so no inferences would be going on. Uh, maybe it would be something like a transmission of justification, right? So I, my belief is based uh, not on other beliefs that I have, but on uh, this other person's faith though, or this other person's belief. Um, and, you know, maybe there's a requirement uh, that that person's belief be justified. That's a, a later, uh, argument to be had, um, about the in view and has been, um, sort of banded about or discussed in the literature, uh, over the past 10, 15 years. Um, but even if that's so, suppose, uh, I am in fact part of a very long, uh, tradition. Um, and as a matter of fact, uh, it's, it's a, uh, a reliable tradition. That is to say that each link really is, um, uh, based on the, uh, the previous one and that it does eventuate, um, it, it, it terminates, uh, sorry, uh, in, uh, whatever it is that we all, uh, believe in, you know, this event, say, at Mount Sinai, um, well then you would have justification at each of these, uh, stages. Um, and that's a, uh, not sure how serious he meant it. George Lessinger was a uh, um, really excellent uh, philosopher, little uh, appreciated, I think, or underappreciated, um, uh, who passed away uh, a few years ago. Um, he was also uh, a uh, a religious Jew, um, and was, when he was asked about um, his justification for his belief in the whole of Jewish tradition, um, he said, uh, "Well, it's because my father told me." uh and when the natural follow up question came um, well uh well you know how was your father justified in any of this um, obviously the natural retort was well his father told it um and you didn't need to go any further obviously um, uh you know the, uh, supposing uh the tradition is in fact correct Right? It seems like you could have that kind of, uh, justification. Um, it wouldn't be an experience doing the justifying, at least not obviously, but it's something other than an argument, something other than some propositions that, uh, I can bring, um, to bear. Um, it, maybe that's part of what's going in the, in, in the Khuzari and Rasad even if it's not, uh, the whole story. Um, so you might have in the Middle Ages, um, something, uh, uh, like that. Um, you, you, you have, um, I hope I'm not uh, going to disappoint because I know this is a Jewish philosophy podcast, um, but I should just say, I, you, don't, you don't have anything, uh, uh, of the scope and rigor, um, of plantinga, for example, um, on the Jewish side, um, that is a, a full-blown defense of the epistemological, um, bona fides of a properly basic belief, uh, in God, um. But you do have in the modern period, uh, Jewish philosophers who, who say, uh, quite clearly that, uh, you know, uh, a belief in God can be on the up and up, can be justified, um, even though it's not justified on the basis of, uh, of arguments. Uh, I'm thinking uh, of a couple of Jewish philosophers, um, one, maybe uh, somewhat surprising, um, Maybe not. Um, so Rabbi Soloveitchik, uh early in his uh, work, and from there you shall seek, or in um, Hebrew, he uh, adopts the, the Kantian view. Okay, as did most, I think, uh, Jewish philosophers uh, in the uh, in the modern period, in the 20th century, at the very least, um, that arguments for God are bound to fail. That there's something um, inherently wrong, uh, wrong-headed. Uh, about the attempt, um, and, and the details are somewhat murky and I, I don't pretend, uh, to, uh, to be able to do the, the claim any justice because I'm not very sympathetic to it. Um, but the idea is something like, um, uh, God is supposed to be transcendent and infinite and there there be no way, uh, to argue to the existence of such a being from our, uh, finite, uh, uh, limited um, experience, which is the only experience that we have and the only sort of thing that we can argue from. Um, and so there's no hope of actually succeeding in arguing for God's existence. That's what Kant claimed. Um, and Rosaloveitchik and uh, some other uh, modern Jewish thinkers sort of, I think, adopted this hook, line and sinker, um, maybe to their detriment, uh, but at any rate, uh, it sort of inspired this alternative view And in Rabbi Soloveitchik in that passage that I'm thinking of, he he basically um, pulls a very interesting uh, move where he he suggests that, yeah, these arguments may not succeed as arguments, but they certainly have something going for them. Each one of the sort of classical Roman arguments that I mentioned earlier, the ontological, the cosmological, uh, the teleological argument, each one of these captures some sort of deep um, experiential response that we have, uh, to the universe, um, in some sort of different mode or picking up on a different aspect, uh, of the universe. And it's that which each argument is trying to crystallize, maybe, you know, according to the right sort of age, it shouldn't be trying to crystallize it. It really should be leaving it, um, at the level of a belief that is prompted by that sort of experience. I right? I think, um, Sylvatric would certainly say such beliefs, a belief formed in such a way, uh, has, you know, the same sort of, um, or uh, is on the epistemological up and up, let's say, uh, uh, even in the absence um, of any argument. Now, why that is, or how that can be the case, um, you know, what what does it take then to really be rational? He doesn't provide a theory that's not his, um, his main interest or his interest at all. You know, for that, you'd have to look to someone like uh, Plantinga um, and those who followed him. I should also men- mention Bill Alston uh, for your listeners. Um, Bill Alston uh, was also a uh, fantastic philosopher and epistemologist, a Christian philosopher. Um, and uh, uh, he wrote a book on about um, uh, mystical experiences or religious experiences that's just uh, marvelous. Um, at any rate, so yeah, that's, that's what I would say, I think. Um, I mean, uh, right, the idea that you, you could be, um, base beliefs not on um, arguments, but on say a, a longstanding tradition uh, and or some kind of religious experience and that those beliefs would still be on the up and up, yeah, that you, I think, do have in Jewish tradition um, in a number of different thinkers.
0: So, if I, um, tell me if I'm wrong, but I understand that you're saying Soloveitchik, uh, Rabbi Soloveitchik, and, and others, they sort of um, recognize the issues, even if they they were basing themselves on Kant. But if I also remember correctly, um, Soloveitchik was worried. Rabbi Soloveitchik was worried about some sort of distance that a person would get if his. And belief, if his justification of God was so, was solely based on um, propositional arguments, there may be some sort of intellectual distance. And, and I think he, one of his quotes, or quotes one of the earlier earlier philosophers, was that the beloved in 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 the in the um, what's the what's the you know what I'm talking about the beloved in the um, grasp of of the, the bride. It doesn't question whether the bride right. exists or not. It feels right. it right. That's right. 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 Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. an excellent point, also. Right. That. um whether
1: or not uh, arguments succeed um, in uh, uh, establishing the truth of their conclusion in case of God's existence uh, and in uh, making the belief justified, they may not be able to play the role um, in the religious life that something like experience uh, can play. And so one would certainly... um, want uh to supplement um arguments with something like religious experience. And I think what you're what you're saying is maybe even something um stronger, uh that uh to some extent um arguments might be detrimental if, if they're too central um to one's uh religious life, even to one's religious uh intellectual life, uh that they can overintellectualize um religious life uh on the whole and maybe create a a problematic distance um you know make the relationship to god much less personal and and much more about just you know uh, where do i stand vis-a-vis that proposition it was sort of obsessing about that question can certainly be uh can be detrimental i think that's
0: an excellent point yeah Rabbi Segal, Rabbi Dr. Segel, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and um, uh, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Jewish Philosophy Podcast. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and visit us on Twitter for updates on every episode. Thank you.